and welcome to the next episode of Cloud Security Podcast. In this episode, we spoke to Ashwin Patel. He's a senior program manager for Threat Intelligence in Microsoft. He works closely with Azure Sentinel and is responsible for releasing a lot of open source threat detection content on GitHub as well. We spoke in length about Capital One data breach and how Azure Sentinel was able to detect a multi-stage attack, which is what Capital One data breach was. We also spoke about how a security operation team, which may be working across multiple cloud, how can they start with those baby steps on basically identifying different data sources across multiple cloud? What can they think about the different pivots a threat can have between multi-cloud environment on-prem? We covered a lot about incident response and forensic. The advice which was shared was something which you can use across the board, doesn't have to be just Azure, but was generic enough that can apply to any cloud provider, even your on-prem environment, where there might not be the same kind of challenges as cloud. The episode is quite jam-packed with a lot of useful information on how to do incident response monitoring and forensic on any cloud provider or in a multi-cloud environment. If you also find the information quite helpful, please do share it with other people who might find it valuable and may learn something from it. As always, we appreciate any review or any feedback that you can share with us. We are on iTunes as well. So which can have a rating or a review if you, we would really appreciate that. It really helps us get new guests on board. It also helps us find the sponsors, which helps me run the podcast. So really appreciate the feedback. And if you do have any topics that you want us to cover, please do reach out to our social media accounts on Twitter or on the website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv. Let's get into the episode. Hey, what's up, everyone? A lot of people ask me how do I get started on a podcast. One of the easiest ways that I've found to start a podcast is through an app called Anchor. They have a web version and a mobile version. The best part about the app is that you can record directly from your phone. And they have background music that you can use along with your podcast as you do introduction. It has tons of feature for podcast. The best part is it takes care of the distribution as well. It distributes to Apple, Google, Spotify, some of the major providers of podcasts. So they take care of the distribution and also on top of it, they pay you money for running ads on your podcast. So to get started on your podcast today, head to anchor.fm. Also check out help.anchor.fm where they have a lot of useful information for people who are starting out on podcast. So just go out and start your own podcast today. Hello and welcome to Cloud Security Podcast. Today, I've got a special <coughs> guest from the US, uh, Ashwin Patel. I got recently introduced to him through the blog article that he wrote about Capital One and AWS uh, Azure Sentinel. But that and more, a lot more. Ashwin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So people who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself to the rest of the audience? Yeah, so my name is Ashwin Patel, as you already said. So <laughs> I work as a senior program manager for Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center. So my team is... Uh, uh, the short form is like Mystic, uh, Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center. Uh, and then my role is like senior program manager. So I'm part of the Mystic R&D team. Uh, my day-to-day work involves uh, writing detections on various data sources, including cloud. Uh, we pretty much uh, publish our uh, publish my detections on the GitHub. Uh, I do like a bunch of Python dev work as well. So my team has written like an open source library called Mystic Pi which does some of the uh, data analysis and data investigation 
for uh, various security event data sources. And also it has uh, some Jupyter Notebook utilities uh, to do some impactful visualization on security event log data sources. Awesome. And that's, that's definitely a good segue into uh, Capital One article that's been floating around on the internet and how AWS CloudTrail and Sentinel and how Sentinel can consume uh, CloudTrail. So people who don't know about what I'm talking about, how would you explain what you guys did and what that talk when the blog was about? Right. So we did. Uh, so I did a couple of blogs uh, around the Capital One breach uh, in back in November. So like the Azure Sentinel uh, is recently uh, recently came uh, last year. So one of the things that we have been trying to do is like coming up with the more case studies so that to show like how the Azure Sentinel can be used in a real world environment. So the Capital One Beach was a very good example where we can show the uh, AWS on Azure uh, story. So Azure Sentinel has like a built-in integration to read logs from the cloud trail. So that's how we uh, started uh, thinking about how we can show the Capital One Bridge analysis Azure, using Azure Sentinel platform, right? Yep. So what we did, uh, like uh, we used uh, some simulation software. So uh, should big shout out to like Rhino Security Labs. They came up with the open source tool called CloudGoat. So that particular tool is basically a bunch of Terraform scripts through which you can pretty much uh, simulate the same vulnerable infrastructure in your AWS lab environment, right? Oh, right. So. Like- yeah, what's an example of a vulnerable environment that it creates? So similar to Capital One, right? So if we take example of Capital One, so we have like a one virtual uh, private cloud yep. with one, one EC2 instance deployed, yep. which has a web application, which is misconfigured with SSR flaw. Yep. And then it has a backend S3 bucket, right? Oh, okay. Right. So it has basically has this uh, vulnerable uh, misconfiguration uh, already set up. Oh, right. sweet. So, yeah. So that's what you guys use. Right. So that's this, that makes uh, life much more easier for us. <laughs> so you can just uh, execute the Terraform scripts and have the lab infrastructures uh, ready. Right. Yep. And then the, the tool also has like a very, uh, pretty good guidelines around like, how do we simulate the same steps that attacker might have done. Right. So this is still like a simpler uh, way to simulate the, what happened in the capital one. The actual attack may have been like a bit complex, mm-hmm. but the TTPs are the same, right? Yeah. So what oh, happened? Sorry, is, quickly. For people who don't know what TTP is. Yes. It's the tactics, techniques, and procedures. Uh, that's pretty much the the different ways that attacker can gain access to your environment. The TTP was quite similar or different? Yeah, it's pretty similar. So uh, once you deployed the vulnerable infrastructures, so you can start executing some commands. So what happened in, so the simpler explanation of Capital One Breach is like uh, you have uh, sensitive data stored in a private S3 bucket, yep. which is not accessible from the public, right? And that, uh, uh, which is not accessible from uh, public, right? So, and then you have like a vulnerable web uh, site, which is hosted on the EC2 instance, uh, which is misconfigured, right? So it has a SSRF flaw. Yep. So with the SRF flaw, you can basically initiate requests to your internal uh, infrastructure, right? Yep. And yep. then, so with that uh, setup, the attacker can just send like a curve web request by sending requests directly to the EC2 metadata proxy. Yep. 
with which you can get the uh, instance credentials and that sort of thing, right? Sure. Yeah. So once you basically issued the curl web request to the uh, instance metadata proxy, you will get uh, uh, the credentials for the IAM role, which is the identity. And what happened is the identity has uh, the highly permissive role, which is yeah. like S3, S3 full access was given to that. Ah, right, right. Right. So once you compromise uh, or once you dump the credentials for that identity, you can basically list all the uh, S3 buckets uh, because you have already have that access, right? Yeah. And then you can list down the buckets and then you can figure it out what is the private bucket which has sensitive data. And then it's just a matter of time that you can use the S3 APIs to basically copy that data from uh, S3 bucket to uh, somewhere remote. Sure. And Sentinel, how did Sentinel play a part in all this? Right. So if we uh, take the whole uh, attack, so you need to, I mean, as an analyst, like you need to understand like where are the, uh, which are the data sources that you can identify, which will detect these activities, right? Yeah. So AWS has like various monitoring data sources uh, that they are published on the web page, which is like uh, CloudWatch, uh, CloudTrail, then S3 access logs, VPC uh, yeah. logs, right? So there are yeah. a bunch of others, right? So in this scenario, we can see like uh, there is a cloud trail as well as the S3 related operations have happened, right? So what you can do is basically onboard the respective data sources in, into the Sentinel yeah. and then start writing detections uh, to detect that sort of activities. Oh, right, okay. So is it, oh, okay, so for it's some, something that we have to define or Sentinel would be able to detect it itself? Or I guess, because that's kind of where people get lost. Is it going to be having some kind of AI machine learning behind it? Or is it going to be something that you notice as a behavior which is not good and you then you configure Sentinel to detect that in the future? Is that how it is? Right, so in this case, like uh, we did like some research to basically come up with what actually happened. And then how do we detect those tactics or uh, TTPs, right? Oh yeah. So yeah. in this case, we basically onboarded the log data sources yep. and then came up with some uh, repeatable uh, logic that we can turn into a detections, right? Yeah. And then once we have those logic onboarded, so once we have those rules onboarded, you can basically detect similar type of activities uh, from the future. All right. And I think to your, to your point, um, Sentinel was able to consume AWS CloudTrail, but it does it go beyond that as well? Like, can it go other cloud providers and like what else can it be consuming at your point data sources wise? What else it could be doing? Yeah, so it uh, there is also like a working plan to onboard GCP and other cloud providers. Oh wow. As well as, yeah, as well as the AWS has the S3 access log, which is, which does not go to the CloudTrail, right? So right. you need to have like a uh, S3 access logs enabled, and then that will potentially go to the S3 bucket, right? So yeah. you need to have like uh, that log ingestion pipeline so that you will bring that data into the Sentinel, right? Yeah. So in this case, what we did was like, we used the log stash, uh, which is again, like community supported. Uh, uh, there are like community supported plugins available. Yep. So log stash has the S3 input plugin and uh, the Sentinel output plugin, right? So ah, sweet. you can get the locks from the S3 bucket yep. and then send locks to the uh, Sentinel. Ah, okay. So maybe let's take a step back then. I guess if 
I have an AWS environment, I have an Azure environment, I may be an enterprise. What do you recommend for people who have not started doing threat, I guess, who haven't really considered SOC in a, for a cloud, they're still doing on-prem SOC, and um, they're looking at, well, how do I do SOC in the cloud? Yeah. And what do you recommend to those folks, especially who may have no, I guess may, maybe starting off today and have no idea. What do you recommend as the first baby steps they could be doing? And if Sentinel would be the first step or should that be step three, four? But it'd be interesting to know for people who are listening in, if they want to start doing some kind of threat analysis of their cloud environment, how do they do that? And what should be almost like a strategy for threat and monitoring? Right. So, I mean, coming up with the security monitoring strategy involves a lot more discussion, right? So, oh yeah, boring uh, discussion, yeah. Yeah, it's, it starts with uh, identifying your assets and infrastructures, how well, uh, how scattered it is across clouds or across from on-premises to cloud. Yeah. So first step is like basically identifying like how your assets are deployed. Yeah. And then how, how are we maintaining those uh, inventory, right? The second thing is like there is, uh, you need to come up with like some log collection strategy. So, uh, on-premises, it's much simpler. Like you can uh, have like a centralized log collection strategy and start collecting logs. But in the cloud, it can get a little bit complex, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, because you can imagine like, I mean, uh, so I've been doing like security monitoring since like 10, 11 years. Yep. So back in the days, like we used to have like uh, some internal network and just have some DMZ zone, which has some web server uh, having like public interface and all. Yeah, and then there, there is a perimeter, right? So you can yep. deploy devices at the perimeter and then start collecting logs or start monitoring those things, right? Yeah. So your perimeter was much well defined in those cases, but with the IT landscape has evolved a lot, right? So you have like uh, bring your own device, and then now you have like cloud. So you can right now you can basically have like your serverless application oh, deployed yeah. in a deployed in a container and hosted in Azure cloud, right? So yeah. the log collection strategies will be a lot different in the cloud, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I think there's like thoughtful discussion in uh, needs to be done like uh, when you are developing a like cloud collection strategies. So most of the cloud providers uh, have guidelines around like uh, what are the log sources that are available and how do we consume logs? They also have like some built-in controls that you can enable. Yeah. Have some built-in uh, alerts enabled, right? So, for example, for Azure, we have like Azure Security Center. Yeah. So once you have those assets or workloads enabled, uh, the ASC will uh, start uh, basically guiding you like about securing those assets. So, in Azure, we have like something called Secure Score, okay. which will basically uh, start recommending like the basics, uh, baby steps, right? So patch your systems or like uh, uh, like have MFA enabled or that sort of like various guidelines, right? Yeah. And then once you start mitigating one by one, uh, and then once you are ready, then basically the lock collection or the sentinel comes into picture. Right. Right. Oh, so and is configuring sentinel as as, as simple as say, oh, I'm just gonna start giving out the logs or? Right. So. The, the good thing is like Sentinel can be deployed as just a resource uh, in the cloud. So which is much simpler than the traditional SIM solutions, right? So uh, 
with the traditional same solution, you need to invest uh, like time and resources to basically stand up server and do that sort of things, right? Yeah. With the Sentinel, it's just like one click that you can basically deploy it in the cloud as a resource. Uh, and then the Sentinel has something called as data connector. So yeah. it has a native integration with the uh, most of the Azure services. So it's pretty much like a one click button to onboard those uh, native Azure services yeah. for AWS and some of the third party uh, providers also have like uh, data connectors available. So, yeah. Oh, so, okay. So, so if I'm listening to this for the first time, I guess first step is to have my assets listed, how mm-hmm. like profiling all the assets that I have, all the applications mm-hmm. that I'm running across multiple clouds. The second one would be once you've done that, um, if it's an Azure, go for Azure Security Center. Mm-hmm. And then once you start basically cleaning that up, next mm-hmm. step for, uh, I guess, threat detection and monitoring perspective, you would go into Sentinel and right. basically should be have out of the box connectors anyways, but if you have AWS, go add another connector for it. Is that right? Right, right. Yeah, so uh, we talked uh, till the data collection. So then later the identification will come into picture, right? So the Sentinel comes pre-built with uh, detections that we have basically publishing on the GitHub, right? So it has more than 200 detections right now published on the GitHub right. for the community to leverage. Oh yeah, and I'll add the GitHub link to the show notes of the episode as mm-hmm. well. So that's a great basic start. And is, is it? what about people who may have BCI compliance or SOC compliance? Can that be added in uh, Sentinel as well or is that a separate thing? Uh, I'm not sure about the compliance piece, but uh, I believe like that will be a separate thing, right? I mean, the PCI may have like their own uh, check marks related to logging and auditing. So that can be fulfilled with the Sentinel. Yeah. Uh, and then there may be like other compliance aspects that may be covered by, let's say Azure has its own vulnerability compliance or uh, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. So security and compliance may be a different aspect. Oh, sure. And how does, because and to your point about how SOC has kind of evolved, right? Threat detection was a very different thing when we were talking mm-hmm. on-prem world. It's, it's almost like some, I imagine a guy looking at a log screen, basically mm-hmm. is looking for uh, some some way of or identifying an anomaly. But these days, thanks to things like Sentinel and the stuff that other cloud providers are doing, a lot of it is automated. Mm-hmm. How do you look at incident response in the cloud environment? To your point, it is so complex these days that you could have a container that a function and then it's just logged somewhere, but then you lose the, lose the virtual server in a matter of half an hour, and then you're like, well, I've lost everything. But <laughs> how do you see instant response changing uh, from what, it, what you had seen before and what it is now? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, so I don't think like instant response has changed a lot. So mm-hmm. It's just like uh, you need to get familiar with the tools and technologies that the cloud provider provides and how do you fit that into your incident response plan, right? Yeah. So the traditionally the incident response has like a four or five stages. So it starts with preparation, identification, containment, eradication, recovery, right? Yeah. So the preparation identifications, it's pretty much like we covered like uh, finding out your asset inventory, yeah. uh, then collecting the log analysis, collecting the logs that are required, right? And then identification is pretty much like where you will start writing the rules. And then uh, 
the response will come into picture like eradication and recovery. So let's say like if your uh, one of your cloud resource has uh, got compromised, let's say VM. Yeah. So you will have like various set of uh, response control uh, available from the cloud, right? So if you identified that a particular uh, identity is compromised, so you can basically uh, block that identity or you can send like password reset for those things via Azure Active Directory or that sort of things. All right, and to your point, the, the remaining two stages, you can create that as a detection in, or as a, I guess, something that you detect in Sentinel so that in future, if it happens again, you get notifications for it or there's an automatic action that happens. Right, so the Sentinel has like the SOC workflow, right? Once you enable the specific rules, it will start creating the incident, right? Yeah. And once the incident triggers, that's when the, your incident response plan will start, right? Mm. So for the Sentinel, we have something called as Logic App, uh, which is basically an automated uh, investigation that you can do. So it will basically, like once the incident is triggered, you can basically have like Logic App action to basically uh, uh, push a rule to the firewall to basically block that IP or you can send a request to the Azure Active Directory to block that identity or uh, block that device. That's oh, okay. And I don't, I don't know if this is the right question to be asking here, but do you have any uh, examples of any incidents that you may have seen and how it was, like what's a good way to respond to an incident in Azure? And there's one way to do it in AWS, there's another way to do it in Google Cloud. Is there a, almost, and I'm thinking for the listeners who are listening in, who haven't even thought about what I, what do I do when there's an incident in Azure? Like Sentinel is great, but it's a, mm -hmm. it's it's something I have to detect first before I can put in Sentinel. What do you see as um, I guess a good incident workflow? I guess for isolation, so a virtual server is compromised, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming you have to isolate it. You basically change the security group around it, or what? I mean, what what does that look like in your mind? Right, so, uh, I mean, Azure has like a bunch of uh, security products portfolio already built in, right? So we have like for the endpoint specifically, we have like Microsoft Defender ATP, mm -hmm. which is basically a endpoint detection and response solution. So EDR solution, right? Yeah. So that allows you to basically centrally manage your endpoints and then have like automated response. So once it detects that uh, the endpoint is compromised or infected, uh, through the EDR itself that you can basically uh, have like a response mechanism to isolate that host from the network, right? So you can trigger that workflow as part of the uh, Defender ATP, or yeah. you can also have like a logic app to, which will basically uh, wait for a specific incident to trigger in Sentinel and then reach out to the Defender ATP to uh, basically do that response action. Oh, right. Okay. Also, it's very different in sense because I think a lot of people look at isolation very differently in, in the cloud provider because they're almost like, well, I need to give my forensic team access to this server once mm -hmm. it's all isolated. How would that uh, play out over here? So the EDR would be able to isolate the instance um, and the forensic team would be onboarded or I guess if they were not already there, but if mm -hmm. it's already there, can that virtual server be given access to through another virtual server with forensic tools on it? 
Yeah, so the EDR has like when the EDR basically isolates the host from your internal network, EDR still has a way to communicate that isolated host, right? Okay. So you can basically communicate to that isolated host from the EDR. So the Defender ATP has a, a lot of command line utilities through which you can remotely gather some artifacts from the host, right? So the forensics is a whole different conversation, like how do we take uh, memory images and disk images. So that will be a different uh, uh, workflow itself. But with the Defender, you can basically collect like important artifacts, what happened and then how do we, how does it uh, uh, scope in the in internal network or that sort of thing. Uh, and for, I guess for organizations who may be a lot mature where the virtual server may be not, Say not like not not a uh, not a pet, but a cattle kind of a thing where it just you know comes up and goes every half an hour. In mm -hmm. those kind of scenarios, does the a defender ADP still kind of comes in handy? Or I guess because the endpoint doesn't really exist anymore. Mm -hmm. Would they? How would you? And this is me thinking out loud, right? Because I'm like I don't even know if that would be a real case. But if mm -hmm. that were that were to be the case, then you would go into Sentinel to see what had happened in the past. Or how would this play out in the Azure ecosystem? Yeah, so I mean, so the this transient assets is like uh, pretty challenging in most of the enterprise environment that we have seen. So you will almost have like uh, some uh, some process wherein like assets will come and go up. So monitoring those assets is always challenging. Yeah. So in those in those cases, I think the best uh, possible way is like. Uh, find out the other data sources through which you can monitor those things, right? So the those assets will still go through your firewall and uh, other network devices. So you can still monitor that activity from those data sources. Uh, yeah. uh, so because like once you uh, provision a host, uh, if you, you need to still follow certain actions to onboard it to Sentinel and uh, start collecting those logs, right? Yep. So before it starts onboarding to Sentinel, if it uh, just goes away, then you have to rely on other data sources to see like what activity it has generated. Uh, right. <clears throat> Wait, um, how often, and I think based on what you see and what you recommend, what do you see as the maturity level in Azure across the board? I'm assuming it's like some people who are really mature have transient uh, servers that come up and go every half an hour, then there'll be other half which are manually deploying virtual mm -hmm. server, which would never die. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So do you see that disparity? Like, is there like a lot more mature people versus a lot less mature people? Like, is there almost like a average graph, I guess, that you have seen? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I do not work for most of the customer environments, but I've seen like this is the case, uh, but this may not be like, large portion of your network it may be just like uh, a small portion of your networks uh, yeah so yeah so the coverage uh, may look like a little off in those cases so each organization tracks uh, basically monitoring coverage of their assets so uh, with these special cases that coverage uh, get little complicated all right and to your point um so <clears throat> I guess going back to the monitoring of threat because these days people are talking about internal and external threat. Mm -hmm. Sentinel would be great for internal threat and external threat as long as you have those data sources going into right. Sentinel. Is that right? Great. Yep. 
our suite and which is the kind of the same as any other enterprise as well um right. okay uh, of course and because this is cloud security podcast and i probably should have started off by asking what is cloud security according to you uh i'm, I'm gonna ask that now what, what do you think is uh, cloud security for you like what does that mean for you when someone says cloud security yeah so i mean as an analyst uh we pretty much expect like to have those new assets to be defended and new data sources to be onboarded in our uh, monitoring strategy right so yep. it's about uh, getting familiar with the new attack vectors that the cloud will bring yep. and how do we protect those uh, attack vectors with some either the built in alerts or to develop some uh, new alerts ah sweet If you're like me and enjoy music, you would definitely love the Spotify app. The Spotify app is one place for all your favorite artists and podcast hosts. Yeah, I know they have podcasts as well. I had no idea. It's a great spot to listen to your favorite artists for free. You don't they don't have to pay any money for it. You just download the app from your Apple Store or your Google Play and start listening today. They have a premium version as well which allows you to download songs for for those times when there is no internet, which happens in some parts of the world. So, it's a great app. If you haven't done this already, Go on your Spotify app, search for Cloud Security Podcast. Give us a follow so you don't miss out on an episode. Uh, the the next section are myth busters. Basically, in this question, is there a myth that you hear about cloud security? Like, what what's that one thing that people you you hear people talk about cloud security, and you feel like that's actually not true? Most common that I get is that cloud is not secure. But I'm curious if you had have heard of any other myths around cloud security. Yeah, I guess I mean, so as you said, like the cloud is not secure is pretty uh, predominant that we used to get here a lot. But uh, I guess it's pretty much the same. And then in security space, uh, we actually start with the assume breach mindset. So uh-huh. that means that no matter uh, how many uh like preventive controls that you have deployed you have to accept the fact that uh, you will that will basically fail at some point of time and then you will get compromised so your defender strategy should be like uh, if even if your mountain control fails how do we defend against uh, various sort of attacks oh is, is there an example of this kind of thing where like what's an example of uh, like a very simple example of this defending um like almost like different defensive layers as i like to call it the, the different layers of security mm-hmm. is there an example workflow that you would have seen or heard of which is a very simple use case for this and i don't know uh, you, you mean to like uh, you know the assume breach yeah yeah assume breach part like what's a yeah <clears throat> so in a simple term like uh, we used to have called defense in depth right so you will have like multiple layers of uh, like let's say you have a Uh, internal network and then that is protected by firewall yeah ids ips appliance and then some other uh, preventive uh, appliance right yeah and then uh, you will have like a false sense of security that since you have like lot of appliance since the host is behind with lot of monitoring controls you don't need to worry about monitoring or defending that asset right yeah which which is wrong so you need to consider the fact that all of those uh, the protective controls may fail by either by bypass or something happen on the host or uh, some sort of activity right yeah. and then your host will get compromised so you need to 
still have like a meaningful monitoring strategy around the host uh, to, uh, to detect certain things. Yeah, I think that, that's the example I was looking for as well. That, that's awesome. Um, what's a cloud security, actually, what's a, what's a SOC or a threat monitoring question you wish I had asked you or from a cloud security perspective? Because I'm getting into the last section, which is the fun section, so which is not technical at all. So before mm -hmm. we get into the non-technical section, what's that one thing you wish I had asked you or as not being talked about enough in cloud security or in threat detection and monitoring? <clears throat> so I think um, most of the time, like people have like a, a presence in both on-premises and cloud, right? Yep. So they also need to think about like, uh, how does that pivoting works, right? So you may have certain identities which are basically have access to the both environment, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, most of the time what happens is like the attacker can come from the cloud and then since it has access to your on-premises, it will basically pivot to your internal networks, right? Yep. So you need to have like that identity isolation or uh, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, the that is where the monitoring strategy and those things come into picture. There are like, I mean, I guess like the, there are like certain standards like uh, CIS. CIS or like NIST. Yeah. So they, they have basically published like how do we secure your cloud? Yeah. So that's like a, actually a good starting point, I would say. Yeah. And then each cloud provider has its own guidelines. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. After that, it kind of goes into that. that is, that's an awesome segue for me to get into my uh, last segment, which is mm -hmm. the fun question. Uh, what do you spend most time on when you're not working on detecting uh, threats and monitoring? Yeah, so I'm mostly like indoor person. So pretty much like TV and uh, playing Xbox games is oh, nice. my go-to place. The next question is, what is something that you're proud of, but is not anywhere on your social? I guess I'm pretty good swimmer. Uh, wow. So I used to do like, uh, uh, I've been doing like swimming since my uh, school days. All right. I used to take parties, uh, participate in my college competitions. Uh, yeah. Last one. What's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share with the audience? Yeah, me and my wife basically hunts for like a lot of Indian restaurants, which oh. has like authentic Indian uh, dishes. So there are like a couple of restaurants like, uh, I guess, Guilt Trip is the one which is in Redmond. Yeah. Which has like pretty good uh, dishes. Uh, and then there is one in Seattle called Saffron Spice. Uh, that's one right. of Well, where can people find you on socials? Yeah, so I'm I'm on the Twitter, like on my Ashwin Patil uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. And then you can also search on LinkedIn. So both are like good places for me to reach out. Perfect. Um, well, dude, thanks so much for your time. And I'll sure. put your socials on my show notes as well so people can reach out if they have any follow-up questions. But mm -hmm. thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.